Earth to Brit can be found wherever you go for your next podcast fix. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is Earth to Brit Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Earth to Brit Pod. Emails can be sent to earth to Brit.podcast at gmail.com. The podcast website is www.anchor.fm slash earth to Brit. Remember, Brit is spelled with two T's. B-R-I-T-T. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is a Yellow Wave production. year was 1974. Richard Nixon became the first U.S. president forced to resign. Stephen King published his debut novel, Carrie, and I Shot the Sheriff was on the top of the charts. 1974 also marked the start of serial killer season in America. But this is the serial killer story that hasn't been told. Not like this. Paul John Knowles, PJK, the man dubbed the Casanova Killer. Some describe him as charming, attractive, and intelligent. Sidebar, his IQ score is 129. That's pretty impressive. It was during the summer of 1974 that Paul John Knowles crisscrossed the country stealing cars. He'd rape, strangle, and slay victims. He swiped their credit cards and prized possessions. Then he'd take on the identity of his victims. I think the most chilling thing about him is his victim profile. Most serial killers have a type, so to speak, women, men, or unfortunately children. But it's rare to have a serial killer who has seemingly no preference. Literally, no one is safe. Men, women, children, elderly, it doesn't matter. No one is safe. If you think you can handle it, let's take this deep dive into the story of Paul John Knowles. Everyone else, get off now. Jump ship. This is your stop. This is your exit. It's not easy to see light once you've looked into the darkness. Are we rolling? Okay, perfect. Uh, let me just throw this out there real quick. The day they come out with a way to record without a microphone all up in my face would be awesome. Let's get on that. Let's create that. It's got to exist. If it, if it exists and you know of it, 
let me know. Because it's really hard to see what I'm trying to read with this huge microphone all up in my face. Also, I make this studio as comfy as I can. I've got pillows everywhere. It's great, except for I can't enjoy them because I have to be practically making out with this microphone in order for the sound to be the best. So I guess basically this is like a public service announcement, but more so a question. Anyone out there know of a way to record without having to be on top of a microphone? Let me know. I would greatly appreciate it. Okay, we're here to talk about Paul John Knowles, PJK. Uh, A Florida native, he was born in 1946. Paul John Knowles was first arrested when he was 19. He must have liked the process or jail because he would spend roughly six months of each year in jail after his original arrest. Kind of like a job, six on, six off, but in months. (laughs) Wild. It was during his stay at Rayford. By the way, does that sound familiar to anyone? Anyone at all? Think Ted Bundy, Gerald Stano, and so many more I can't even... Too many more to count. Well, it was while he was incarcerated at Rayford that he started corresponding with California divorcee Angela Kovic. At one point, she physically visited the prison and was there long enough to accept Paul's proposal of marriage and even gave him money for his lawyers so they could win his release. That release, through parole, came through in May of 1974 and Knowles flew directly to San Francisco, ready to marry Angela right away. Once he got there and Angela saw him, she called off the wedding. She said that his aura projected pure fear and it scared her. On top of that, her psychic had recently warned her about a dangerous new man in her life. Angela could not get past her gut instinct on this one and good thing because, spoiler alert, yo man straight up evil. Straight up evil. Unfortunately, once the wedding was a bust, Knowles murdered three strangers on the streets of San Francisco that night. Was he pissed about the wedding that wasn't? Probably. But in my amateur opinion, I think it doesn't really matter. He would have killed anyway because it's what he does. But the whole disappointment of flying out to California expecting to get married and then not, that definitely had an impact. So the next day, he heads back home to Jacksonville, where he quickly finds himself back in jail after a bar fight. The the dude just can't stay away, clearly. It doesn't take him long to nope his way right out of there, because on July 26, 1974, Knowles picks a lock and escapes. This, is anyone else like, wait, what? Like me, because this has me thinking, um... Fred and Barney. What is that show? Oh, God, you guys. This is... Oh, my God. I cannot think of it. This is... I just went to say it, and it left my brain. You know what I'm talking about, though. Um, That old... It's like a comedy, the funny detectives and police at Mayberry. Oh, come on, man. What is that called? All right. We'll, we'll come back to that later, because the harder I try, the worse it's going to get. <laughs> but it makes me think of that, like... Or like all those movies you see where it's just super simple, basic. You got to get the key and pick a lock. No, that, I I don't know. Granted, it is the 70s, so that explains everything. We'll just use that. That's why it's the 70s. So he picks a lock and escapes jail. Super concerning, but here we are. Uh, That same night, he breaks into the home of 65-year-old Alice Curtis. 
She's bound and gagged while he ransacks her house for money. Then he eventually takes off in her car. She chokes to death on the gag, but Knowles sticks around town for a few days, still using her vehicle, until police connect him with the crime and put his picture on TV. Andy Griffith show. That's it. Oh my God. That's hor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. That's horrible. That just happened. That was real. Uh, and the Andy Griffith show. That's what I was thinking of, obviously. You guys were all screaming it at me. I could hear, I could feel you yelling at me, even though you haven't listened to this yet. Like, even though I'm recording this before you can hear it, I'm telling you, I could just tell. Everyone was like, duh. Hey, I've been there too. Don't you worry. We all, it all, it happens to everyone. It's fine. Um, so we're going to keep talking about this, obviously, because that's what we're here for. Duh. I feel like I don't need to explain that to you. Yet here I am. Uh, but now we're going to have more fun with it because now it's like a cold, cold, cold read. It's like an extra cold read from me. And this is usually when things turn out the most fun. So not for me because I'm like freaking out the whole time. But it's more it, when I listen back on these and when I get feedback, this is what people enjoy. So give the people what they want. It's what I'm here for. So... Uh, they put his, the cops put his picture out on TV because he just, so many things like just dumbass. I don't want to give criminals tips, but don't stick around. That's like tip number one. One of the tip number ones. There's like 500 that it's just like super obvious common sense, whatever. Subconsciously, we're, we're going to learn that he probably wanted to be caught. I mean, it's just inevitable, but it still doesn't make it any easier to listen to what happened and just like scream, get out, leave, duh. Even though you don't want him to because he's the bad guy, it's it's just, it's a lot. It It, it is a lot. So probably Kyle, remind me, we're probably going to cut all that out because I just feel like I wasted everyone's time for a long time. Okay. Where? Oh, okay. So they take his picture, put it on TV. Okay. So he is getting ready to drop this car that is clearly a target, clearly being searched for. Should have known that sooner. Again, I can't help myself figure it out. So he's doing this. He's ready. He's like searching around. He's finding a quiet residential street to drop this car and leave it. When he spies 11-year-old Lillian Anderson and her 7-year-old sister, Milette, and he recognizes them as friends of his mother. So he's convinced that these girls saw him and would tell the police that they saw him and that they saw him with this car. So he kidnaps both of them and dumps their strangled bodies in a swamp outside of town. If anyone else is wondering if that's just an excuse to kill them, you're not alone. Because I have a feeling like, I feel like if it was anyone, it wouldn't matter who they were, he would have killed them. He just wants to kill, basically. is I mean, let's just... Can we all agree on that already, please? That'll make this the rest of this so much easier. So the next day in Atlantic Beach, Florida, Knowles, he breaks into the home of Marjorie Howe and he strangles her with a nylon stocking and steals her TV set. His next victim is a teenage Jane Doe hitchhiker, which hitchhikers at this time, oh, it's just devastating. It's like such a gamble. So he takes this Jane Doe hitchhiker, rapes and strangles her for sport as he drifts aimlessly working his way north. 
So my thought is they the way they worded that he rapes her just whenever he feels like it, but then at the end of it he does strangle her. On August twenty third, he breaks into the home of Kathy Pierce at Musella, strangling her with a telephone cord while her three year old son looked on, leaving the child unharmed physically. I think we need to include the word physically here because my son is three years old. And before I had him reading things or learning about kids and stuff, just hearing a three-year-old, you think that they're just like not competent, that they're they, they're just like almost still a baby. They're not. They are not at all. They're sharp as knives. Like those ki- three-year-olds are like in their prime. I'm sure of it. Try to argue with my three-year-old. He negotiates. He's been negotiating for over a year and he wins every time because he's really good at it. So there's no way that did not affect that three-year-old in so in such a capacity that I just, oh, my heart goes out to him. That That's really hard. So then on September 3rd, Knowles meets businessman William Bates at a tavern in Lima, Ohio. Shout out Lima. I've got lots of listeners there. You're awesome. So unfortunately, you you are awesome, but this does happen in your town. He meets this guy, William, at a bar in Lima, and then they share a few drinks before he strangles him and dumps his body in some nearby woods where it would be discovered in October. So I have actually read other articles and all this other stuff and it didn't happen at the bar. He, they, he invited William to his house or vice versa. I'll have to look into that, but it didn't happen at the bar. I don't think. Now I'm questioning if I'm just <laughs> strangling myself with lies. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure anyways. We'll get, I'll look into it and I'll let you know. Um, hmm. Okay, so the body is discovered in October. So he, he still money, credit cards, and his car, which we know is his MO. He then takes, so he takes Will's car and goes to Sacramento, back through Utah, pausing at Eli, Nevada, long enough to murder uh, campers Emmett and Lois Johnson on September 18th. Fun fact, Eli, Nevada is where there is a prison there with where they hold death row inmates. Um, And I know this because I searched forever on writeaprisoner.com, which is an ad that you guys hear a lot, which you're going to hear in a minute. So I'll just keep this short. But Eli is a prison that because I specifically wanted to talk to somebody on death row, um, which probably why it took so long is because I had to find somebody who I feel like shouldn't be there with what I'm given, the information I'm given, because there are some people on there that I would search and search and like look up if I thought, oh, I got a weird feeling about this person. And the things I've learned about some inmates at Eli, Nevada, holy shit. Things I don't know that I could even cover on here because it's like one in particular. Oh my God, I can't even think about it without wanting to throw up. Um, But I just thought you guys would be interested in knowing that. And I think it's weird. Like he's like, I'm going to circle back around to Eli and kill people there. I don't know. I just find that interesting. Like almost like the energy of a place impacts people more than not. I'm not saying that's why he killed there because as we've said a hundred times, this guy just wants to kill. He's going to do it no matter what. He'll come up with excuse after excuse. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. That's what he does. But it is interesting that he circles back around because he wants to go back to Eli and then ends up murdering people there. And then I know from my experience with searching for a prisoner that there are a lot of them at Eli, Nevada. And 
like I said, the energy of a place. I feel like it's a thing. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Stay tuned. We're going to listen to a quick break here with an ad for writeaprisoner.com. Check it out. It will make your day and it will make their day. Just listen to it and then we'll continue the story and I will be, I will do my best to be better prepared. Okay. I'll be right back. Want to make a difference in someone's life? There are millions of ways you can do that, but this one is extra special. It's something I've always wanted to do, and recently I did the damn thing. I wrote to a prisoner. A prisoner who is desperate for a friendship outside the walls of prison. Write a Prisoner is an amazing program that allows you to search prisoners who are requesting letters from all over the world. You can do a basic search like age, maximum sentence length, even horoscope sign. Or you can do an advanced search, raising my hand over here, that's my jam, and get real specific. I chose all, which on the site is any, meaning no stipulations, but I felt pulled the most to an inmate on death row. You can search for as long or as little as you like. I searched for five and a half hours because I knew I would know as soon as I saw the one. Female, male, it didn't matter to me. The crime didn't matter. My search paid off because, as I suspected, I knew right away when I found my pen pal. I have zero doubts that this experience will impact my pal, but it'll probably impact me the most. I'm not crying. You're crying. <sighs> Curious? Head over to www.writeaprisoner.com and find your friend or friends because there is no limits to how many pen pals you write to, but it is highly suggested that you do not write to multiple prisoners at a single location. Go. Do it. For more information, go to www.writeaprisoner, that's W-R-I-T-E-A-P-R-I-S-O-N-E-R. Dot com and change a life. Back at it for some more about this Casanova killer, just absolutely wild shit. Uh, and I also wanted to fill you guys in when I said William Bates, I'm like, I think it happened at his house. I was getting him confused with a future victim, actually two future victims. But again, it's not a spoiler alert because we know this guy kills, kills, kills. That's what he does. I don't know if I can say it enough, but my bad. I was confusing that. So that probably did happen at the bar. I don't know. It Either way, that part doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm so hung up on finding it. But <laughs> all that matters is I got him confused with a future victim that we'll be talking about shortly. So keep that in mind. Because I promised you I would come back and tell you what I found out. So <clears throat> let me see. Okay, so then after that, um, after he murders the campers in Eli, uh, it's three days later when he's passing through Sequin, Texas, he spots a female motorist stranded at the side of the road and stops to help. And he does so by raping her before he strangles her to death and drags her body through a tangled barbed wired fence. That sounds just 
like a, a horror movie, a scene from a horror movie. You find somebody on the side of the road, you stop to help, but your version of helping is raping them, and then you strangle them, then drag their body through a tangled barbed wire fence. A barbed wired fence is bad enough. A tangled one, I'm just cringing, even though I know she's dead, it still matters. And it's also still like grisly and the vision, the visual I get is not, ooh, chills. I don't like that at all. Uh, so then on September 23rd, he meets Beautician Ann Dawson in Birmingham and instantly caught her fancy, whatever that means. Uh, they traveled together at her expense, duh. And then he gets tired of her and the game and decides to kill her on September 29th, my son's birthday. That's so sad. Oh, even worse, her body has never been found. Awesome. Okay. It's here's me just trying to just get through this and not stop and focus on every little thing cuz then we'd be here forever. We would be here forever. So then Knowles drifted on through Oklahoma. Missouri, Iowa, and Minnesota, apparently keeping his nose clean, leaving no bodies behind. Doubtful. That's me. I'm saying doubtful. I doubt that. By October 19th, he needed a fix, and he found it in Woodford, Virginia. So he is literally going from coast to coast. This is crazy. Barging into the home of 53-year-old Doris Hovey, shooting her with her own husband's rifle. Then he wipes his prints from the gun and places it beside her body beside her body. Afterward, police would find no signs of sex or robbery to offer them a motive in the case. So again, there doesn't need to be a motive when you have a psychopath like this at this level. The motive is whatever he wants it to be. I just, he just wants to kill. He just needed a fix. Um, okay. So then he's still at this point, by the way, fun fact, he is still driving Bates stolen car, which he uses to pick up two more hitchhikers in Key West. He plans to kill them both, but his scheme goes kind of haywire when a policeman stops him for a traffic violation. The careless officer let Knowles go with a warning, but the experience had shaken him. So he drops his passengers off in Miami, and then he uh, calls his lawyer for advice. Weird. It's almost like that sounds almost like paranoia in a in a very um minor way like not super crazy strong but like that's a little bit paranoia I feel like because he so he I don't know my brain's spinning right now just with that informa- information so rejecting his lawyer's suggestion of surrender he met the attorney long enough to hand over a taped confession Uh, And then he slipped out of town before police were informed of his presence. Also weird. Almost like he's setting it up like, here's a little bit. Oh, no, never mind. I'm going to change. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. But I know that that's there. It's like he's feeding. This is all speculation. It's like he's feeding some sort of desire inside. And I feel like it's subconscious, but it's also starting to make its way into his actual consciousness. That's just the, um, that's the impression I'm getting. So then here we are in November now, November 6th to be exact in Macon, Georgia, M-A-C-O-N. So that could be Mason or Macon. I'm going to say Macon. Uh, Knowles befriends Carswell Carr, 
and was invited home to spend the night over drinks which this is the second time that we've heard this, over drinks, he stabbed Carr to death and then strangled Carr's 15-year-old daughter, failing in his attempt. So he had, okay, so he strangles the 15-year-old because he had failed to have sex with her. Oh, shit. Wow. Okay, even worse. Let me try this again. So then he strangles Carr's 15-year-old daughter, And after that, after she's dead, he fails in his attempt to have sex with her corpse, necrophilia. I, I just don't understand. Oh, that's so gross and horrible. So then he leaves Macon, takes a flight out. Um, Once he's flown out, he was under the radar. Like he was in the spotlight, I should say. His name started showing up for people and and they started to suspect him in the November 2nd murder of Richard, nope, the November 2nd murder of hitchhiker Edward Hillard, who was found in nearby woods and his companion, Debbie Griffin, who is still among the missing. So, this is crazy. Like, the, this is way after the fact tracking him and then we're finding out so much more information. It's, it's wild. Like I feel like he was out of control, but what I'm really curious. Okay. I I knew that I would really be fascinated about this, mostly because of his victims. Like I said, the profile, the, what freaks me out the most is like, it doesn't matter. He doesn't give a fuck. Like anyone is game to him. And that's terrifying in on an extra level. But what's more is like, it's like it he can't stop. I know I'm not making full sentences. That's what I do when I'm onto something and I'm trying to formulate a sentence. So I'm going to keep reading and then maybe I'll be able to spit out what I'm trying to say after the fact. So then he goes bar hopping in Atlanta on November 8th, where he meets British British journalist Sandy Fox impressing her with his gaunt good looks gaunt like skinny mod I don't know modelish I'm that's what first glance that's what I'm taking from it so they spend the night together and he's unable to perform in bed and then fails repeatedly at sex over the next two days suggesting possible impotence with a willing companion I just had to set my iPad down my eyes are as wide as saucers that is so horrifying to not be able to perform and have sex with someone who is willing is bone chilling does not even cover oh my god I just had like a body shake like fuck that's so oh that is that is I don't know why of everything I'm reading you to you that right there got me like that is telling and scary. That's so scary. So then they separate on November 10th, which is weird to me also, like how some people escape his, like what, who is, who is it that he wants to kill? Like when he decides I'm going to kill, is it just like in, in the moment or is it like certain things? Like, is there certain things about her, about Sandy that like he just couldn't do? I don't know. I, I, I just don't understand how some people escape and some don't. Um, that's 
something that is interesting to me. So then, like I said, they they end up parting ways on November 10th. And then he picks up one of Sandy's friends, Susan McKenzie, the next day, demanding sex at gunpoint. Okay, that's not it. Just so you know, men, that's not sexy. She escapes and calls police, but they, the police, are trying to stop him. Wait, hold on. Oh, okay. So they try to stop him, but he, Knowles, shows them a sawed-off shotgun, and that, scare I, I guess, scares them enough or makes them stop and pause, and he escapes. I can tell you right now that wouldn't happen today. Uh, in West Palm Beach, he invades the home of invalid Beverly Maybe. Oh, yeah, this is a story I have for you. Later. Beverly Maybe abducts her sister, stealing their car. Then he drops the hostage off in Fort Pierce, Florida, the following night. You know what? We're going to come back to this one because this one is one tiny little paragraph in this, but it's a big part of the documentary about him that I took some notes on and it's it's really good. So I'm going to come back to that and give it justice because that doesn't do it. This paragraph does not even come close. So it is important though to know that after this incident with Beverly maybe and the sister and then all that, there is an officer that comes up to get him and pull him over but Knowles is faster on the draw meaning he pulls out his gun faster and happens to take the officer hostage which he does so he does that he drives away in the patrol car using its siren to stop motorists um what there is so many weird information like why do we I don't know I didn't write this article I I would have taken that out okay so they use he uses a siren. Duh! If you're stealing a cop car, you're gonna tell me you're crazy if you don't use a siren. That's the whole point. You get through traffic. I mean, I honestly wish I had that every morning to get to work. For real, I'm not even kidding because people just cannot drive. You know what? This might be a thing. I don't want to show my cards, but this might be a thing. Um, so he uses a siren to get people to get out of his way. Obviously. Then he somehow, this guy is insane. He manages switching cars a second time. Now he's burdened with two prisoners. Knowles handcuffs both of them to a tree in Pulaski County, Georgia, and shot each one at the head. At Oh, so he shoots them in the head at close range. Damn, that's so, just leave them. Like, why? It's, I can't help but get involved, you guys. It's. I just can't help it. A short time later, he tries to crash through a police roadblock, loses control of his car, and smashes into a tree. Kind of like karma, I would imagine. So then, a chaotic foot chase ensues, with Knowles pursued by dogs and helicopters. Finally, he's cornered by an armed civilian on November 17th. Oh my gosh, round of applause. What a badass. So all these cops, dogs, helicopters, everybody's trying to get this guy. He gets, he ends up cornered by an armed civilian. I cannot help but think of my dad. I don't know why, but this has my dad written all over it. This would be something that would happen to him and he would totally do something like this. So this is on November 17th. Once he's in custody, he claims to have murdered 35 people. However, 
um, the detectives, investigators, everyone involved, they can only come up and connect 18 people. So they can only come up with 18 people that they can for sure say he murdered. This is common. If you if you're new to true crime, you're gonna you're this is not the first time you're gonna hear that. It's almost always the case. So then on November 18th, the next day, while he's being transferred to maximum security, Knowles tries to grab the sheriff's revolver, and FBI agent Ron Angel shoots him dead in his tracks. He takes so Knowles tries to grab the sheriff's revolver. Ron Angels shoots him three times quickly. And kills him. So I'm going to try to make this real quick. Hold on. The mic is a little bit. There we go. I'm going to make this real quick. As quick as possible anyways. That story about Abel. Bev Abel. So Barbara. Her sister. Her twin sister. Her name is Barbara Maybe Abel. And yes. That is seriously her real name. She even jokes about it. Saying my maiden name. She has a southern accent. So I'll try. My maiden name was Maybe and I'm married and able. <laughs> I'm equally laughing at my accent, which I haven't worked on in a very long time. It was horrible, but uh, funny. And uh, her name and her personality. So she's one of four survivors of PJK. Her twin sister, Beverly, had cerebral palsy, and the two were living together in their West Palm Beach home when their lives were changed forever by this serial killer. So even after all of this stuff that goes on, Barb admits that she had met Paul John Knowles at a nightclub. No, she admits that had she met him at a nightclub, she would have gone out with him. And this is after everything that happened to her. She said he was very good looking. And for a second, she mistook him as her ex-husband when he broke into the home that she shared with her twin, which this happened on November 14th, 1974. He broke into the house where she was living with her twin sister. He comes up behind her and says, don't turn around or I'll shoot. She talks about uh, how she felt like she just had to turn around anyway. And she found herself leading him through the house and then ended up in Beverly's room where she finds her sweet twin all tied up and gagged. She mentions that there was blood coming out of the gag, which at this point, my heart is completely shattered. If anyone's wondering, and then she's made aware that he's just finished tying up her son in another bedroom. And okay, so those shattered pieces now, they're smaller than atoms. They don't exist. How much more can I break? I can't, like, this got me. So she leans over and is talking to her sister, telling her it's going to be okay. She's going to give him money, the car, whatever he wants, and the, that he'll leave them alone. So then he takes her in the car, heading down I-95. They go from West Palm Beach to Fort Pierce, which is about 60 to 70 miles north, where he gets a motel room and tells her to pretend that they're married. Barbara wasn't, um, well, hold on, no. Oh, yeah. So Barbara was raped repeatedly, but she says she can't even recall, she can't even call it rape because he wasn't a normal man, especially sexually. She said that they, he just couldn't even, it, it just, he couldn't do it, which we know that from previous stories that I talked about, like that hitchhiker, I believe it was hitchhiker, but um, yeah, the one, no, not hitchhiker, whoever he, the beautician, the beautician, regardless, he's obviously got issues. I mean, that's glaringly obvious. Uh, so the last time after he rapes her, he leaves and she, he didn't realize that he had left a key on the nightstand. So she gets herself loose and finds help immediately. 
Um, there's a lot more going on with this, but it's a lot. It's a lot. And I didn't even get to finish it. So that was the gist of it. I just wanted you guys to hear that part because it was really specific. And she was telling it, which is not common because most of his victims were murdered. So that was another aspect of it that was unique. Also, she is a copywriter. And if I think there's a I can't remember which other victim it was. We might hear soon when I read off these victims names. That might be part of what comes up. But she was a copywriter. And I believe I'm almost positive there was another victim who was a writer. So she remembers he would talk about wanting to write a book and about all the people he killed almost bragging like trying to basically bait her like make her like want to write about him like oh my god you've killed all those people like not realizing that's not normal and that most people aren't going to be like let, the first thing they're going to think of is let me write a book about you no so it's very 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 clear that he is v full of issues like just full of them um but i wanted to get you guys that story even though it's not the full story, I wanted to get you the main parts that I thought were interesting and a little bit more personal than we've been given this whole episode because it's all very uh, timeline based, like generic, generic, generic. But like each victim, each person I've talked about could fill books and pages and pages, just so many pages of information on just their incident alone. And I don't want anyone to ever lose sight of that especially with people like this who kill victims all across the board and then so many victims. It, it's important to remember that each person, even the ones who survived, everyone who came into contact with him and had, had some sort of experience like this, whether they made it out or not, their story could fill books. And so it's easy to wrap it up and sum it up in one paragraph, but it's it's also easy, it's easier to lose sight of the fact that there is so much more, but this is just like a summary of what happened and who he was. But the details, that's where the shit's at. That's where it's at is the details. And it, to, to take that extra deep dive and to take that time with each person and their details, oh man, it's, it's a wild ride. So I wanted to give you a little bit more information about at least one of these people. And I'm going to take another quick last one, last quick break. And then when we come back, I'm going to read off the victims that are known. And a quick summary about who they are, who they were, just a little glimpse of a photo, if you will, of their life, which is so much more than a photo. But sometimes that's all we're left with. bookworms this one's for you the search for your next book to read ends here recently released a killer's wife is perfect for all my true crime friends the best part it's part of a series so you'll have more to look forward to once you've finished written by best-selling author of the neon lawyer victor methos a killer's wife is a gripping thriller about a prosecutor confronted with the darkest part of her past and the worst fears for her future jam-packed with conflict that you'll easily relate to, and plenty of twists and turns that'll keep you at the edge of your seat. It's everything needed for a great read. 
guaranteed to satisfy any suspenseful cravings you may have. Available in Kindle format, audiobook, hardcover, paperback, and even audio CD. Get yours today at Amazon.com. Paul John Knowles claimed to have killed 35 people. As we've mentioned, only 18 people were confirmed to be murdered by him. Uh, real quick, he was no- known by a couple other names, like Lester Daryl Gates, Daryl Golden, and as we've mentioned in the very beginning, the Casanova Killer. His victims include Alice Cooper, 65-year-old resident of Jacksonville, Florida. Knowles gagged her on July 26, 1974, while stealing her belongings. She choked to death on her gag. Lillian and Milet Anderson, age 11 and 7 respectively, were strangled early August 1974 and subsequently dumped in a nearby swamp. Marjorie Howe lived in Atlantic Beach, Florida. She was strangled with a nylon stocking. The motive, apparently, was that Knowles stole her TV set. Victim number five remains unnamed. She was a hitchhiker whom Knowles raped and strangled. Kathy Pierce was strangled with the cord of her telephone on August 23, 1974. Her three-year-old son, who was also present, remained unharmed. William Bates met his fate on September 3rd after having shared some drinks with Knowles in Lima, Ohio. His body was not discovered until October. His car, money, and credit cards were all taken by Knowles. Emmett and Lois Johnson were out camping in Eli, Nevada, where Knowles murdered both on September 18, 1974. Victim number 10 was a woman whose motorcycle broke down in Sequin, Texas. Knowles raped her before strangling her and dragging her body through some barbed wire. This was on the 21st of September. She remains unknown. Ann Dawson from Birmingham, Alabama, met Knowles on September 23rd. They traveled together for a while until Knowles killed her on the September on the day of September 29th. Her body has never been found. Doris Hovey was 53 years old and lived in Woodford, Virginia. She was shot dead by Knowles with her husband's rifle on October 19, 1974. Carswell Carr and his daughter met Knowles on November 6th in Macon, Georgia, and invited him over to his house. Subsequently, Knowles stabbed Carr and then strangled his 15-year-old daughter. He attempted to have sexual intercourse with her body, but failed. Edward Hilliard and Debbie Griffin were hitchhiking near Macon, Georgia on November 2nd. Hilliard's body was found in nearby woods, but Griffin's remains were never discovered. Knowles was not proven to have murdered them, but he was under very strong suspicion. Trooper Charles Eugene Campbell. He was abducted while on patrol and shot by Knowles in Pulaski County, Georgia. James Meyer was a businessman that was also taken hostage along with Trooper Campbell. He met his fate in the same grisly manner in Pulaski County. Paul John Knowles then handcuffed them to a tree and shot them with the trooper's gun. So, uh, as always, I do my very best to cover everything, but I assure you that was none of it. Like, I didn't cover a quarter of it. And this happens every time, and every time I'm just as disappointed, and someday soon, hopefully, I will figure out how to either cover everything, unlikely, or at the very least, I will be okay with the fact that it's just 
so much stuff and so, so many stories, so many feelings, so many incidences, so many side stories, so many, just the pieces are endless. It's endless. And I want to do the best for everyone. I want to do justice. And it's just, it's almost impossible with the amount of time I'm allowed. With that being said, I have so much more information on this guy. And that's probably what's killing me is because usually I just want to keep talking or at least keep figuring things out with past episodes. But with him specifically, I have so much more information on him. I researched him like crazy. Absolutely just went nuts on this guy. And I couldn't stop finding stuff. And I couldn't stop reading and learning. And unfortunately, I'm not able to share everything with you. But I do feel like I did a good enough job of getting the, the main pieces and like a good chunk of information out to you so that you can just get the bigger picture that this guy was a true psychopath, a true psychopath. And he truly couldn't help himself. But he also had that human side to him where he wanted something out of it, like fame and recognition and love. And I don't know, it's just, it's so sad for everyone, him included, because it's just a waste. I mean, why? It's not even just a waste. It's more than that. It's a waste, but then devastation because of all the people impacted. And for what? What What did that do? You know what I mean? It's just sometimes these cases, these people, these stories, these the research I do, it's just, it gets to you. And it's just so much. And he's one of them. He's one of them for sure. He, I, and it's crazy because, like I said, I had never even heard of him before. And here we are. I'm overwhelmed. So feel free to reach out if you want more information about Paul John Knowles. I can absolutely get that to you. Also, the internet. That's where I got it. You, you can find some really, really good information. You can find some shitty information. But that goes with everything. Two sides to the coin, you know. So just uh, make sure you're look if you're really wanting factual information, look up uh, when you do your research, make sure that you are researching your research, <laughs> if that makes sense. Just know that your resources are good and uh, that you can count on them. If not, whatever, it doesn't matter because it is what it is. But I have used up my time this week and I still have so many questions. I still have so many things I want to talk about. But I mean, that's that. So we can continue this on Instagram or Facebook, even Twitter. Also email, reach out to me, whatever you need, whatever you want. I'm here. If I can't help you or if I don't know what you're asking or if I, if whatever, if there's something that I can't do for you, whatever, with whatever you reach out to me with, I will tell you, I won't leave you hanging. So don't, don't be nervous. Reach out to me if you want to. Um, I'm sure if you have questions like I still do just from listening to this and you follow through with your research, you're probably still going to have questions just like me. Let's get together and talk about that. Who knows? Um, There are a lot of other people interested in him, obviously. There's a lot of people out there is what I'm saying who have the same interest. So I'm, I'm literally cracking my knuckles, my neck. I'm just, whew, that was a doozy. However, 
that was just one week. That was just episode 12. Next week, we will be back for episode 13. I hope you enjoyed today. I hope it didn't bring you too down and too, I hope it didn't depress you too much. But uh, yeah, the, the these people exist. This condition, psychopathy, it exists. So it is what it is. This happened. These stories matter. That's why I do this. Because it matters. It, it's it's not just some folklore. It's not some made up stuff. This is real life. It's happened. It's been out there. It's impacted people. And there are other people like this. So if you liked that, great. Let me know if you want. If You know what? Actually, hold on. Can we, Kyle? We can. Okay. So I was waiting for Kyle. Thank you. I was waiting for Kyle to verify that we can go through with this. So I've got a couple people lined up that I need to do and cover a couple things, a couple topics. However, I don't, I've just been approved that I don't have to do them in any certain order. So what that means for you is if there is somebody or something or some crime or some case, um, even cold cases, I just covered my first cold case a couple weeks ago, which was everything I want and more. I really love, fo- I loved focusing on a cold case for so many reasons. Um, listen to that if that's something that interests you. But if there's somebody on your mind or anything like that, reach out to me. At the most, at the, the worst thing that could happen is I could say, you know what? That's great. Can't cover that right now or maybe get me some more information or anything else. But you're never going to not get a response from me. I respond to everyone. So if there's something that you want to talk about or ask me or that you think I might like or want to look deeper into and cover myself, reach out to me at my email or however you want. The email is earthtobrit.podcast at gmail.com. All the information you get at the beginning of the episode. Um, and you can go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Like I said, you can find me anywhere. Let me know because we're starting to take requests. So it's a big deal because I, I have had that in the past and I had to like shut it down, unfortunately, even though I wanted nothing more than to cover that. But here we are. Now we can do it. So let me know if there's something you want to hear. Vice versa. Um, also questions, all that fun stuff. Otherwise, I'm out. I'm exhausted after this one. And I just I have so much my brain is still swirling. I'm going to need some time to just come back to earth. He really just threw this guy is a piece of work. I will see you all next week, though. Hope you don't have nightmares. Maybe don't listen to this right before bed. Um, not a good idea. I will see you next week for episode 13. As always, stay classy. I love you so very much. Goodbye. Peace out. This is a Yellow Wave production.